In our second episode of the podcast, we explored a bit the topic of engaging delegates more in the session as a leader. So that got me thinking back to an experience I've had in one of my sessions where we did something along these lines in a different way. But before we dive into that, Nathan, do you have some experience that you really felt engaged with the session leadership as a participant? Yeah, um, I guess a lot of times as a delegate, I kind of felt sometimes close, sometimes distant from certain teams. But there was one in particular, and that was Tallinn 2012. In Tallinn 2012, it was uh, Jonas Triga. He was the, the session president, incredible president. Um, one thing that I found absolutely amazing from his presence and the way he led his team was that he made sure to have a conversation with every single delegate in that session. So being a summer IS, there's a lot of people there. There was a lot of us. And yet he made sure to spend most of his day just having individual engaging conversations with different delegates. And I'm not just saying about a conversation about, oh, what's your favorite team building game? Or, oh, how's the weather today? Or things like this. But something that get, got to the root of who are you as a person. He really wanted to know that. He had this incredible ability to listen to us and really bring that in. And I know for myself, that completely changed the way that I wanted to be in EYP. And I felt like the next seven years of me doing stuff in EYP was very much shaped by the way that Jonas Drega in particular um, engaged with me as a delegate when he was a session president. And we're going to go a bit deeper into that. But before we do, we would like to ask you, the listener, to take a bit of a time and think about your experiences with that, either as a delegate or a chair, or even if you've been in leadership, like, how have other people engaged with you in a leadership position and how have you engaged with others? Because there's a wide range from Jonas's approach to someone who doesn't even speak a word to a delegate during the entire session because those people exist. There's a lot of things for us to do during a session. It's not always possible. And it's always a trade where you put your time. So how have you experienced that? Like what is important to you? So post the podcast for a bit. Think about it. And once you're done, we're going to dive deeper into this with our guest, Arman Gasparri. <laughs> this is our intro music. That's not our intro. We have some intro music. We have some. Could you. Walk us through a bit of who is Armand Gasparian as an EYP or what did you do? Where did you come from? What was your legacy? Ooh, legacy is a is a very strong word in that sense. But Armand as an EYP is a person who who had an early start, but in many ways started quite late as well. Because I'd heard of UIP in the back in the old days, but I wasn't involved too much. And then I really got involved uh, when UAP Armenia was established back in 2013, which is when I had my first session actually as a delegate. And uh, back then I was already 23. Yeah, my my experience was initially quite random because I was I had been a delegate twice and I didn't think much about it. And then I was invited to whatever session as a, as a chair for the first time I hadn't applied. And then I, I mean, as it happens to so many 
of of us who was stuck in the organization. Uh, I felt the hype, so I I wanted to get involved more and more, and I started applying to sessions myself. And I went abroad for the first time in 2015, just when I had my first session as a chair, actually. And then things escalated quite quickly for for me, actually. So I decided to stick with the organization until 2018, I think, is when I had my last session. That was the um, academic forum in Augsburg, Germany. And then my very final engagement was through UIP mentorship, where I was invited to, to be a mentor. And this was a very, very interesting and nice experience. I got to know a fellow EYPer who I had not met in the past. Her name was Berenger. She was from EYP France. So I, I want to give a shout out to Berenger. I, I hope our work together, our collaboration was helpful to her. I hope she found a job in art management that she was uh, really looking forward to. And wherever you are, Berenger, I hope everything is fine with you. So in a nutshell, this was this was my experience. The bigger part of it was between 2015 and 2018. I had to get the privilege of chairing at two international sessions. It was the time of my life. Uh, I had a lot of fun. I hope it was an interesting experience for the people who were with me. And I guess my... <laughs> Again, legacy is a is a strong word, but my legacy is probably in the people that I got to collaborate with. I was glancing through the list of chairs, I think at Milano International Session, if I'm not mistaken, and I think around 80% were people who I had managed to work with as a as a VP or as a president. So it was it was a very, very warm feeling for me to see all these people who had worked in the past do such great things. Yes. So in a nutshell, this would be who Armand Gasparin is, or who was as a new IP. It's amazing that feeling, kind of watching your babies grow. <laughs> it's like in, in one session, you're kind of like working with the team, and then you start to see them evolve session after session after session. And, you know, um, every session that they go to, they keep picking up nu little nuggets from mm -hmm. different people. And I guess some of those things are now they're doing actively in the set. I think the IS is right now. I think it's currently going on at, at the time mm -hmm. of this recording. And like things that they would be actively doing there could have been things that you introduced to them at one point or another or kind of help them see one thing or another. Yeah. In EYP, we tend to do that thing where we pick up something from the personalities of the people we mm -hmm. work with and actually have a quite a warm memory with the this in Arman we met for the first time in some random regional somewhere north of Finland. Kempele. Kempele, right. Where I was an organizer and Arman was vice presiding and I was just running around doing techie stuff and just kind of picked up on Armin's, in a way, composure of everything. For those who have, of our listeners who haven't met Arman, is maybe the most composed person I've ever run into. <laughs> in, not, not just in EYP, but in general. <laughs> um, it's hard to get much sign of um, distress from him, even if there's, everything is going down <laughs> in multiple ways. <laughs> more ways than one and 
after that, I saw that he was presiding an international forum in Albania, Logara, and remembered our brief interactions together. And I was like, yes, I feel like there's something I could I could get from here. Applied, got selected. And funnily enough, I've ever after since, I've been using Arman as a complete opposite of myself in leadership style, which... <laughs> Not not to say that it's in any way um, negative, but we are, in, in a way, I am the, especially when it comes to this being composed aspect, like I'm very open with my emotions, talking with my team when some things are going wrong and letting everything out in a way and being open as a person. And that's kind of the opposite of what I experienced with Arman and something in a way that it helped me. <laughs> realized what I wanted to do to see someone else do it so differently and again in not, not in any way negative <laughs> it's a really interesting topic and like Aman I'd love to hear your thoughts on that of um imagine you're so you're in a session you're leading something and shit hits the fan bad things mm-hmm. happen um almost kind of like worst case scenario stuff that really goes bad as a leader would it do you think it's better to show the composure show the confidence and then lead the team through the situation or to be more transparent with those feelings of oh i really don't know what i'm doing here um and through that almost like that honesty with the team and then working with them through that i, I kind of like see i guess from what Joel described kind of like two different approaches of that and i'd love to hear like, Aman, like, what you think about those approaches? I don't think there is one single recipe that fits all situations. And I think that also depends on what type of a person you are. Because for me, something might work very naturally. Uh, for someone else, that would be a bit more difficult. So it would come off uh, a bit as, as fake, I would say. And... I think vice versa would also be true, but uh, what what I genuinely think would be a good thing to do is to start uh, to to try to rectify the situation first to 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 see what you can do or what you as a as a collective board could do about this situation, and and then once it's more or less resolved. Um, during a call meeting with your team, just to explain what had happened, what the problem was, how it was solved, whether it, uh, the situation uh, has the potential of sparking once again, what the what the outcomes of this situation could be, so that people are aware that we are we are having a problem or we have had a problem, but it has resolved to some extent, or it has resolved full stop, and this is what we have done because I, I think that. This is both a, a good learning experience for the team, for, for, for chairs who might face something very similar in the future as well. But what I also think is that if you are very open about the situation straight ahead, while, while it's still a big problem for, for you or, or for the session in general, then this would have probably uh, uh, a negative impact on on everything and how people are chairing, for example, because you as a chair are supposed to 
first and foremost, be responsible for your community, for your delegates. And then if, if there is something that you're aware of and if, and if it's bugging you all the time, then it will probably take a toll on how you are working on how you're feeling. So I think it's, it's partially our responsibility as presidents and our responsibility as board members to be more aware of people, uh, people and things surrounding us and take the blame more, more ourselves than uh, share the blame with someone else. And then we can talk about this collectively, but this should not be, should not be become an issue for, for everyone at the session, especially delegates, but also our chairs and media team members and organizers. I think the leadership of the session has to play a, a stronger and more decisive role. And I've seen, yeah, I've, I've seen sessions where this hasn't worked out the way we would expect. I've, I've presided a session where I, I hope things would have worked out differently. So I know when, if someone doesn't take a decisive action as a, as a president or as a head organizer, how things could escalate from there. So pushing that point further of saying, uh, so you said what you want to do is to make sure you have that level of transparency to discuss through the issues, the, uh, the solutions or the different steps with the chairpersons in this example, or if it's media team, that'd be with your media team members, organizers, etc. whichever team members you have, you kind of walk through the issue and the solutions mm -hmm. with them. So for that specific example, would you, if you were in that situation, would you wait until you had some kind of half decent solution before you brought up that conversation or when the issue is happening before you even find that solution do you then bring up the conversation with your team so yeah i think that depends on on the situation itself because what i'm thinking of is a is a story for example from a session where a couple of chairs were unhappy with their with their vice president and this required an immediate solution but by the time I was ready to to act on this, people from the organizing team, people from the media team, even ordinary delegates were aware that this was an issue. So gossip spreads quite fast. And the only thing that I could have done in that case was to be very transparent with, with the entire uh, chairs team so that everyone heard from me and from our board that, yes, we're having a problem, but yes, we're working on this. And this is what we're proposing. But then there are cases where you don't have to be too straightforward. You can you can give yourself a bit of time. And I think you as a president, especially, or you as a media, uh, you as an editor, editress, you as a head organizer uh, should make a judgment call and ask yourself, if I give myself a bit of time, does, does time work uh, in my advantage or does time work against me? And there are situations where you just uh, can't give yourself too much time and you have to be very open or you, you realize that you, if you give yourself a bit of time to decide how you want to actually act on this, it would be in everyone's favor or it would be in the favor of this situation. And we're often in situations where, you know, everyone's busy doing their own thing and we we are there to, we are in a way the responsible body to fix things uh, i'm also th thinking about this more this communication with your team from more of a emotions perspective when i compare the two of us like if 
we are t- discussing what has gone down and what has been done or is being proposed to do about it, I would see you as being very, very diplomatic about it and com- completely, in a way, behind this wall of everything's under control. Whereas if I'm feeling like if things are causing me distress or worry, I'm gonna be more transparent with that for my team and in a way allow mm-hmm. people to also display the, their worry of that by leading by example. Yeah, I, I do agree with with both approaches basically. I, I just think that and uh, what the, the second approach is has generally been a lot diff- a lot more difficult for me to exercise because I am naturally not only diplomatic in that sense, but I'm also quite um, probably level-headed person. I don't I don't get too much stress because of things that uh, naturally cause stress to other people. So I I don't I'm not e- easily bugged by those things. And in in that regard, it's also it has been harder for me to naturally empathize with with people's problems because I was not harmed by those type of problems so I was uh, I was trying to put myself in into their shoes to understand where they're coming from instead of having those uh, same same feelings and same sensations sensations myself yeah my my only issue with being very honest is just to understand how uh, this would impact your your body group for example whether this would cause any distress to them or not whether this is a good thing or or a bad thing and i know that in general if if a chair for example brings up an issue where a lot of uh different uh members of a body group share i think it's very good to be to be open about this and to let them know that you are aware of the situation and that you're on top of things and you're sharing same 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 issues same feelings but i i generally try to avoid starting those conversations i think what i want to do is to create an uh, create an open space where people can share their emotions themselves or share their feelings what's what's bugging them and we can have this conversation without me interrupting them so much because otherwise especially if a president who is leading a body group for example starts that conversation with a body group i think it's easier for people to jump the bandwagon and and start feeling the way they didn't necessarily feel previously if you if you say that well we are having a problem with the vp for example uh within your body for for whatever reason members of your body group will also start looking at that particular VP yeah, in a different way. And I think this is not what uh, I would like to do. And I I, I really think that uh, this is not what Joel is, uh, was saying, obviously. But yeah, I think, especially for presidents, there is a duty of sort of relieving some some stress from, from your team and taking that stress on yourself. And this has had a, a quite a tremendous impact on myself because during the last year I had I went through two very very different sessions very, very difficult sessions as a, as a president and during the during my final session and this is very open information 
my, my team was very aware of this. And I, this is where I agree with Joel, for example. My team was very open from the beginning that I was having quite considerable health issues. The entire, uh, the entire officials team was aware of my health issues uh, throughout the session. And I made sure that they're aware that I cannot be there 100% to support everyone, but I would uh, do my, my best to help the team as much as possible. And I think this is this is the kind of information that I could not hide from, withhold from from anyone, because it would be unfair to to the people to not be aware of why I am behaving the way I am, why I'm not uh, so much involved in social activities, for example. And this was ultimately a good experience for the for the VPs who were there at the session. Uh, Rebecca and Mickey, shout out to them as well. I think if you are aware of this kind of problems from the very beginning, it also makes you look at the session a bit differently, makes you assume more responsibility, I would say. And although this is a very tricky situation to put yourself into as as a chair or as a or as a vice president, realizing that you cannot expect too much uh, from your president, that also at the end of the day, everything is a learning experience, and I think this was a very good learning experience as well. Yeah, I think this is a really interesting conversation to have in a way. Like, what is what is our role in keeping the stress from the team? Because, of course, it depends a lot from session to session. It might be that if you're leading a church team and they're every single committee is di- difficult and they already have their hands and heads full of that then that's a very different place from having a having a session where everything's flowing smoothly and people are people have in a way the headspace to tackle more things but in the end this is this is EYP like things go wrong a thousand times every session and in a way hiding that information from the team does alleviate some stress from them and leave space for other things, but it can also remove a valuable learning experience from them. As you said, that your VPs were able to modify their approach to the session based on the circumstances that can go into way less big things as an overarching health issue, but more of a in, like a problem with a geopolitical problem or uh, problem between the teams like what what is our in a way place as the as the board of the session like do we how much are we supposed to give the chance for our team to experience these issues that the board is experiencing because in a way especially because we don't have board trainings for first time vps for example like if the chair if you if all of your experience when you're first time vice presiding is coming from chairing previous sessions and all your boards from your previous sessions hit every single big issue that appeared during the session you're going to be completely unprepared to vice preside that session yeah yeah i think that's very true i think that's very true yeah i think as you said it really depends on on how things are going. And if, if things are going pretty smoothly, then why try to Im- impose some things that might that might create a problem uh, themselves? I have I have witnessed when 
n- not as a president myself, not as not, not even as a board member, but I've I've witnessed situations where the leadership was was a bit hesitant to act on certain issues. Uh, not not even share this information, but just generally act on on issues, and how much of a negative impact this has had on on everyone, especially all the officials on the on a vibe at, at that particular session on how uh, how devastated people were feeling by the end of it. And I think this is this is essentially the worst thing to do. I think it's 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 a judgment call for for the board or for the leadership, bigger leadership, whether they want to at what point they want to disclose some kind of information with with the bigger team, or how they want to make this a, a learning exercise for for the chairs, for example. What what is the learning exercise that you want to your your team to go through? But the worst thing to do is uh, to pretend uh, as if nothing is going on, and that's what happens quite often when people are overwhelmed with their duties and they say, okay, let's just uh, not, not act on this. Time will take care of this. Or it's just a two-day session, three-day session. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? And by the end of it, you realize that this is what the worst thing that could have happened when everyone is very, very stressed. Everyone hates each other. And that's essentially the biggest duty of especially of the president, but also the bigger leadership to make sure that things get solutions, especially at the stage uh, where, when they have not escalated into bigger issues. But if, if it becomes an issue that's, uh, that starts bugging people, you have to really be, be firm on that. You have to find a collective solution and you have to be open at whatever stage with a team that, yes, we went through the problem <clears throat> because I mean, it's, it's a closed environment where, where especially at regional sessions, we generally live with each other in a in a small school. So everything is closed. People are together with each other 100% of the time or almost 100% of the time. And if some things are happening, the information about it spreads quite fast. And if if you if people notice that you as a as a member of the leadership not are not paying too much attention to this issue, then what they what they think is that you do not care about this, and uh, this this does have a very significant ne- negative impact on how people perceive uh, perceive a session on, and how you, people generally feel. So I think even if you are unable to provide a solution, even if it's well, I I have for example witnessed issues when there were problems within the um, within the leadership itself when presidents and editors hated each other, and there was not much that they can do about this, but just showing that they are working towards finding a reasonable solution, I think that's good enough. Whereas if you just don't talk to each other and pretend as if nothing is going on this would have a much, much uh, stronger impact in a, in a very negative sense. Yeah, I've also lived through a very similar experience as a chair in, the, in an international forum where it was very clear that the board, board, the academic board did not get it very well along and it was never addressed throughout the entire week or so that we were there. And 
it was a very strong cloud on top of the whole team in terms of how it managed to bond between itself when, in a way, the body that was supposed to be there to inspire you was there as a, you know, ball of stress. It can it can cause a lot of problems for the team. What about you, Nathan? How have you approached this in your time in the leadership? Uh, I... I think I I evolved a lot over over my time. I think at the beginning I wanted to make sure I was that everything looked perfect, that people were getting the greatest experience, and so I would try to like hide a lot of stuff back in the closet <laughs> in order for people to have the perception that things are going well. And then I feel like the more and more I started to grow, the more and more I started to realize that I was doing a disservice. One because it spreads gossip. Um, when just because it looks like everything's cool doesn't mean that people aren't like themselves don't realize that things are not going well that there is an issue here there is an issue there and people are talking and then that drives down morale like you guys were saying before also a little bit like you you pointed out joel before is your service in terms of eyp is a school of life and in life things go wrong so if I try to like hide anything that goes wrong from the team, then I'm doing them a disservice by they're not able to experience this wrongness in a safe space where they get to try out things. So we, if we recognize that there's a problem, we could try to solve it. And I mean, whatever we try, if it doesn't work, we're, we're all flying back to our respective countries in a few days' time. So it's okay. It's a safe space for us to do these kind of things. And I think... It started to kind of grow and grow on me to the point that I think we, as we discussed in a in one of our previous podcasts uh, around uh, what what happened in Yerevan, where during the Yerevan IS, um, the moment I started to realize with the board that there was something pretty wrong within the chairs team in terms of the dynamics, in terms of the chairs to board kind of working relationship. Um, and we opened up and said we think there is something wrong and we're very open with that and had a long conversation and actually worked through it as a team um, and didn't attempt to try to hide something under the carpet or, or like to hide it in the background and it was difficult it was difficult for all of us it opened up a lot of wounds but I feel in general it gave us all an incredible experience in which we get to face things head on in a safe space and in general i feel the the place we got to afterwards we could never have got to unless we would have gone through all of that healing process so so far we've been discussing all different uh leadership approaches different things that we believe a leader should do in terms of either transparency in terms of how to crisis manage and stuff like this but at the end of the day just like joel said we don't have any kind of VP or president training. So, Aman, since we have you with us today, would you be able to come out with three things that you would like to give as a piece of advice to somebody who is about to be a vice president or a president for their first time? If I were to recommend uh, three things to a first-timer, one thing that I would pay a lot of attention to is... Normally, people start their career as board members at at the lowest echelons of a few IP sessions, one day events or regional sessions, for example. 
And what I have personally witnessed is this kind of sessions are quite peculiar in many sense. But uh, to begin with, time is of, of an issue here. Delegate preparation or delegate expectations are of an issue. And you are generally having, in many of cases, first-time chairs as well. So I, as a, as a composed person, would recommend staying composed as, as my number one tip. Because although it's a very short session, the amount of stress that's released, uh, the amount of cortisol that uh, those kind of sessions that's released is very, very high. And at the end of the day, chairs, the, the possibility of chairs getting mixed up is, is very high. And you really, you don't, even if you don't have the experience as a VP, your role to me is to provide the moral and emotional support for first and foremost to your chairs, to ensure that it is okay for them to make the mistakes. And this is a learning experience from, for them as well, because I have witnessed that first time chairs tend to take them, themselves very seriously. They tend to be very harsh on themselves. And uh, that, that obviously depends on the person, but people who are doing something for the first time are quite often very afraid of making mistakes, which leads them to making those mistakes uh, or making even bigger mistakes. So I would suggest that uh, you as a vice president or, or a president should try to ensure that your body group for example is fine with with making mistakes i think what what matters a lot is if you have chairing experience for example if you have been chairing for an x amount of time and this is your first time as as a vice president two things that are very different from each other but would complement one another is not to intervene too much because if you are if you're an experienced chair who has no VP experience, for example, and if you're witnessing that your your body group member is not not operating at the at the level that you would have set for yourself, it's a lot easier. It's it comes up naturally for for quite a few people to intervene a bit too early and to impose yourself and to to tell your chair, for example, that okay, you're not doing this the right way, or maybe you should do this the other way, which especially during the community work process might have quite adverse effects for for the chair, for their self-esteem, for how they're managing the situation. But at the same time, what I'm what I'm thinking is you as a as a person who has the chairing experience could possibly use that experience to provide some tips to a chair as well. But uh, do that in moderation and do that by using better opportunities. For example, during breaks, you as a person who has chairing experience could talk to your body group member and give them tips on not on what this person should do, must do, has to do, but what you have done when you were faced with a similar problem. And just just show that this is a tip, this is coming from your experience this is something that uh, another person could do if they are comfortable with doing it in a similar way or what you have witnessed as a chair other chairs do just show things from coming from your practice and ask people whether this is something that they would be comfortable with doing and then at the end of the day this is 
for for a first time chair for a first time VP, this is a trial and error situation. So there is, as we were talking about in the past, uh, everything is a learning experience. So you can very well learn from your mistakes. And if you had, and this is probably the final tip, if you had a terrible first experience as a as a VP or as a president, you shouldn't feel too too bad about yourself. You shouldn't be down. This this itself is probably the best learning experience that you could have had. Just uh, try to look back at the session and analyze it to figure out what are the things that went wrong and how you could have done things better uh, next time. So if you had a terrible session, that's probably the best session that you could have had as a first timer. And I know I'm being a bit biased, but <laughs> we all are, we all are as people, aren't we? I have a quite funny personal experience around that. As a, my first time vice presiding was in a small regional, I think in Slovenia. And I think it's important to add to let your chairs team or body group or whatever make mistakes. But also it's a small session at every level, not just the little experience of your team. So also let the organizers and the media team make mistakes and keep your cool around that because I remember bashing the organizers so bad for things that I would laugh at these days or chuckle slightly and be kind and give a hug and that my actions in that session made that session a lot a lot worse for many people in micro impacts throughout the entire team so I think it's important to also acknowledge that this whole thing goes beyond just your team of your impact as a in a way leader of this session yeah i think that's very true and in many instances at least during my time organizing team was the one that was taking a lot of blame and people were taking the blame for a lot of things that they had absolutely no control of and yeah i think that for for whatever reason it was a lot easier for other officials even for delegates to put the blame on the organizers for things that were not working out to their expectations. And you would, in many cases, take organizers for granted. And that's what I've witnessed. And those were people who were started to work earlier than others, and sessions for them would end later than, um, in a physical sense, later than uh, for the rest of the officials and obviously for delegates as well but they would quite often not receive the recognition that they would do. I do agree with that. I think mindfulness is also a very, very important tip. Obviously, it's hard to, it's very hard to manage the level of stress that you're going through. And if you are under uh, constant stress that, and, and this is a foreign environment for yourself, it's very, very easy to release that stress in a very, negative way try to just find a, a person who in that type of moment in your opinion is not behaving in a way that you would expect them to and just unleash all that negative energy on them this is a this is a whole separate topic but i think eyp as as a closed environment where people undergo a lot of stress in a very short amount of time is also an environment where 
we as people who are part of it should try to exercise as much mindfulness and as much self-care uh, as we possibly can. And if you are a person who listens to this, a person who is interested in emotional uh, health and and uh, in healthcare in general, uh, not not in a physical sense, but in a, in a more general sense, I think EYP sessions are a place where you can learn more about unhealthy lifestyle, and you can. Uh, just by observing things that people do to themselves and to each other, you can learn a lot more and you can grow as a person who is interested in that area. Or you can just share your expertise and um, make sure that people practice more healthy and safe lifestyle. Right. Now, we've been talking a lot about academic boards influencing the chairs team and the organizers and the journals but in a session together in Logara you had some quite interesting takes on how to impact the delegates in a way through a lot of small things and some bigger things could you walk us through a through that experience of trying that concept out in the sessions you've tried it at sure sure to begin with the the concepts that I've been trying out especially in Logara where where nothing new and the the team at LuxIS was, I think, officially the one that kick-started the whole thing about interactivity. I mean, at least the, the guide on interactivity is owed to the team, uh, presided by Francie. Uh, shout out to LuxIS team and uh, specifically to Francie as well. And the the concept in Logara, I think, had two, two branches. One was about doing things in a slightly different way. And the other one was about, uh, while doing that, improving uh, or or changing uh, delegates' experience of, of EYP. And the second one, which sort of links to the conversation that we have been having so far, was about bridging different teams within within the officials' team a bit tighter and making sure that people got to spend a bit more time with each other. So in, in an academic sense, what we tried to do was um, to allow delegates uh, to look into other communities' topics as well, to be more aware of what other, uh, other communities were doing. And I think that um, since then, a lot of sessions have introduced a similar concept as well. But essentially, what the what the aim was, and since was since this was not a national session where things are a lot more competitive, this was an international forum, and I think this probably suits uh, an IF or or an IS format a bit better than uh, a national session. We tried to ensure that people uh, delegates moved away from from confrontation to a bit more inter intercommunity collaboration where delegates could propose problems or solutions to one another and could help fellow delegates enrich their own academic experience, gain a bit more insight into their own topics coming from other delegates who, who were informed about, about this concept or had very strong opinions on how this could be, could be solved. And while proposing this experience, we could then have a, a bit more robust 
General Assembly, where people would not simply attack each other's resolutions, but would be a bit more collaborative. And the the, the spirit of collaboration was also enshrined in the lobby events that we also organized for for delegates, which is, is which at the end of the day resulted in one of my chairs damaging my laptop. But that's that's not the key point here. The key point here was that it was a very fun experience for for delegates. It was, and in my opinion, a, a lobby event needs to be fun experience because this is the the concept of lobbying, which is part of all political processes, the concept of bargaining, to me has been a bit underappreciated in UIP. We don't we don't give delegates the possibility of of negotiating and changing some things or amending some things in a resolution. So once a resolution gets into a general assembly, you can't basically do nothing about it. You will either vote it as it is or vote uh, vote uh, against it. And so the lobby event was a chance for delegates from different communities or their own communities to propose minor solutions or minor changes in the resolution and then get the necessary amount of votes for for their suggestion to, to go into the General Assembly. So this was, I think, also a possibility for, for the community to realize what was the general feeling about about the resolution and get a bit better prepared to the GA, have uh, some first-hand experience into what others are thinking and just be mentally, firstly, uh, prepared to what's what's uh, awaiting them during the during the GA. And and yeah, this also meant that we had to slightly revise the General Assembly format as well because delegates who had proposed an amendment and whose amendment had made it to a general assembly were given a chance to present and defend their own amendments and i think in in this sense what i found interesting during the general assembly is if an amendment that a committee was against made it to uh made it till the end and was voted in favor then the committee had to defend defend a clause that they didn't like so much. And I think this this puts a delegate into a very foreign environment where you are a bit not at ease with 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 the text that you have to present and, and support. And I th- I think that this is also quite a good learning experience because if you if you are passionate about about a subject and if you become a bureaucrat for example or if you if you become a politician then there are a lot of situations where you have to unfortunately support an idea where uh, that you are not 100% at ease with because there are there are always trade-offs there are bargains that are being made and or there are situations where you cannot for whatever reason do the best thing. So you have to you have to go for the second best option that you are probably not so much in favor of. And I think that's also a skills that you uh, learn from from such such occasions. Yeah, and I think it really does mimic um, the values of committee work and t- team building a lot closer. Because if you think about it, if you're in team building or if you're in committee work, it's not about you. It's not about I as an individual, and this is what I think. I think. I think. So this happens. It's about 
understanding the art of compromise, the art of um, we all have different opinions, let's discuss them, we all have different ways of doing things, let's try these things. Um, and then when we when we move to General Assembly, it suddenly changes. It's like, this is what our team has decided, and now we're just going to fight you, and we don't care what other people are saying, or we're going to take what you say and try to destroy it, and it's just a kind of a fight. Whereas this whole kind of concept you're talking about is all about how do we actually get teams to start to work together to think, okay, yes, you've come up with a resolution, but let's also hear the voices from other people. And then sometimes, just like in committee work, one of your so one of your teammates in committee work may say something, and that is in the resolution that you personally are completely against, and you will still work in that committee to further this resolution. So it's kind of taking these ethos and extending it over to general assembly, which I really feel in EYP we do not do enough. So yeah. Um, I, th- I think we may have brought up this once before, but we, we also did something like that in for the Yerevan IS, where the committee would propose their resolution, people would be kind of discussing, um, like n- n- normal general, general assembly. However, just before summation speech, the committee would also have an amendment speech, in which at that point they can say, okay, after after our general debate that we've had just now, we really, we've heard you and we feel like we would now like to change clause four. And so instead of being the way it was before, now it reads as follows. And they get to actually make one change. They could add something new, they could remove something or they could modify something within their resolution to take into account the debate. So I feel like there are lots of different ways to do this. And it'd be cool within EYP if we find one of these, or maybe a collection of these cool ways, and to make sure that they always stick in these sessions. Because the way GA is at the moment, without those, I feel it's just so disconnected to the way of the rest of the session. Yeah, I, I do I do agree with with this a lot. And we had a very interesting approach to this very issue in Augsburg, for example, where the session in Augsburg was, to me, quite quite revolutionary in a, in, a, uh, in a way that we tried to take the traditional format and change it as much as possible. I remember Francie, who I mentioned, was, was invited to a session as a, as a trainer. And one remark coming from her was that we were doing too many things at the same time. And it would be hard for, for chairs, for, for media team members and for delegates to comprehend this this many changes and but at the end of the day this was this was a conscious choice by by the leadership just to try out as many things as possible and see how to what extent these things work out and to what extent it's it's harder for people to manage this or whether this uh, doesn't make too much sense so uh, one thing that we had changed specifically about the GA and uh, it became a bit of a meme uh, throughout the session or and afterwards was was blitz voting and what the idea behind blitz voting was that throughout the entire debate a committee was given a chance uh, to raise the blitz vote placard i think once or twice and ask the floor about a specific question or a specific statement that was made so imagine you as a community keep hearing uh, the same question on and on and on and it's something that you have not thought about or something that you were unsure how it 
would fit into you about that that would fit into your motion for resolution uh, but throughout the debate you you realize that there are some strong feelings about this very issue so you have a chance to raise the blitz voting placard and ask the floor how how the delegates in general perceive this whether they're in favor of it or against it and then the board would quickly count the votes in favor or against it and then at the end of the at the end of the debate before uh, the final speeches the board would ask um, proposing committee whether they had any friendly amendments to make so what this may, what what this meant was uh, at the end of a debate the committee based on the result of their blitz voting would have, would be given a chance to make very final minor amendments uh to their to their resolution based on how they felt about how they, how they felt about the debate whether they had missed something whether they had not thought about something in in a way that the majority of delegates uh thought and something related to this is also about the spirit of collaboration versus confrontation in Augsburg we added one more speech which was by the shadow committee. So the concept of shadow committee is, is not is not necessarily new. It's uh, when two committees or three committees are paired up and committees from shadow, uh, delegates from shadow committees have a chance to look into what the other committee is doing and then propose changes or just be more aware of a particular topic. But what we added in addition to this in Augsburg was a speech by a rapporteur from from a shadow committee. So someone from the shadow committee had to write a speech about someone else's uh, resolution and state what the good things and, and the bad things are about this resolution. And uh, essentially, at the, at the end of the day, whether they, as a shadow committee, wanted this resolution to pass or not. So what this meant was a specific committee would would be very, very aware of another committee's resolution they would have to take very active part in in the debate. They would have to be very careful and attentive to this community's debate in order to propose a voting recommendation. We tried to make this as constructive as possible. So that was one thing that I, I as a president, appreciated a lot because I noticed that adding this uh, minor piece ensured that people from shadow communities were more active during the open debate. There were a lot more questions coming from, from that committee. And the critique or the, or the recommendation speech was a lot more constructive than you would normally get during the attack speeches, for example. It's pretty cool. I like that. Are there any other kind of like final notes that you wanted to kind of end on before we go into our outro? I think essentially what, what my remarks were about is for for a person who is trying to do something a bit differently is not to just blindly go after the things that we talked about and try to do things in a very similar way just to be a bit a bit more edgy a bit more different from from everyone else but to if if you are interesting in doing something a bit differently try don't be afraid of that uh, to start with but also Try to think if if this makes sense or not. Try to try to be as meaningful as possible. And at the end of the day, if you are changing the format of a session, to me the the most important thing is to ensure that the change adds something uh, important and makes delegates' experience and your chair's experience better and 
is not is not daunting to them. We don't want to, and by we I mean uh, me, for instance. I don't want to overcomplicate people's experience just for just for the sake of doing something differently. I think if you if you are doing uh, if you are adding an element, then uh, it should have a very concrete cause and should have a concrete effect on how people perceive the session.